Good afternoon. You're listening to local media this week. Uh, uh, nearly turning into a festive edition of it. You can hear a little bit of background music uh, uh, that, that is uh, going from overhead us. And uh, this week's episode of the local media show is sponsored by Root Griffin Photography. And it would be amiss of us uh, not to mention while we're here that uh, Ruth has contributed photographs to the Scarif Bay Community Radio calendar, which is currently on sale all around East Clare for the great price of a fiver and some lovely sporting photographs in it there this week that you can all uh, have a look at. Now, on with the show, uh, John S. Kelly, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you, uh, Luke. Pat O'Brien. Good afternoon, Luke. And David Fleming. Luke. Hello good, to you. Good, good afternoon to you. Uh, Jim has been uh, doing about five different jobs at once, and uh, <laughs> we sort of said we'd, we'd give him a little bit of a break because the voice is a little bit hoarse with him, so uh, you have to listen to me for uh, the, ne- the next hour or so. But anyway, on with the show. And as always, we're talking about the uh, print media in Clare, which is the Clare Champion and the Clare Echo. And the Echo is online as well. Of course, as the Champion is online as well. And you also online, you have the Clare Herald. So we are going to start uh, this week. Uh, Owen Ryan has it on page one of the Clare Champion and uh, Porrick also refers to it in the Echo and uh, it's Shannon Heritage transfer to council on brink of collapse. A story that we have spoken about on a number of different occasions and uh, it seems uh, that uh, things are not going well and the picture uh, there of uh, uh, Sarah and Brian with their children from Newmarket and Fergus, a picture brought Brian Arthur on page six of uh, The Echo, uh, as Park has uh, headlined, Council insists they need financial aid. Now, David, this is one for you. Well, just, just if our listeners may not have been fully uh, listening to us every, every week that this comes up, Shannon Heritage is the, is the company of the Shannon Group that manages and operates uh, facilities such as heritage sites such as Bunratty Castle, Napogue, Craganone, um, and uh, the Walled Garden, Napogue Castle and Walled Garden, and other places like that. Um, and it has been doing that relatively successfully for the last 30 years, John, would uh, it be? Thereabouts. Thereabouts. Mm. And Shannon Group have decided, in their wisdom, a, f- a year ago, I suppose, at this stage, to divest itself of this uh, this part of its portfolio and it wants to get rid of them and it has in in the case of the one that they own in Limerick City they immediately handed it over to uh, the, the King John's Castle to the council and there was no issue the council immediately took it over and is operating it now as I understand well just the, the council owned the one and he always owned it the, they the always had owned it yeah owned it in Limerick so there's a yeah. different it is a different sort of a situation that the council doesn't own. We might get, John, we might get into the ownership of these properties in a second. Um, but the Shannon Heritage Group, or the Shannon Heritage, want to pass it over to the council. And at least that's also what the government uh, suggested. But the council wanted to do due diligence. And according to this report by Owen Ryan on the front page of The Champion, in July 2022, a final 600-page report was submitted to the Department of Housing, Local Government and Heritage and the Department of Transport in which a funding package to support the upgrading and maintenance of the sites for three years was identified. And they were looking for $15 million, I think, they were looking for. And that's to, uh, not necessarily the operation of it, but to keep, these are old buildings, the medieval buildings, I mean, um, the, yeah. and it requires a lot of funding. It's frightening, lads. 
that here we are, coming to the end of 2022, okay? Messing, is the only way I can describe, messing around with critical, with critical heritage sites. Uh, and, and people's jobs. Oh, no. I mean, how many jobs are we talking about are in question? They're unsure themselves, yeah. talking, to, to, talking to them. They're unsure of what the status of their jobs yeah. would be. It is a frightening example, in my mind, of flipping ineptitude. And well, I, think, I think there's ineptitude on behalf of a lot of people. Um, and we'll say, this sort of has come to light uh, a freedom of information request that Claire FM uh, did in relation to it, and that yeah. was on Tuesday morning. They had reported that in a briefing uh, given by the Department of Housing, Local Government and Heritage, which was given to the Taoiseach, uh, that Shannon Airport Group and the Department of Transport both contest the final sum requested by the local authority. Yes. Yes. So it, does that suggest, Luke, that the Sh that Shannon Group are being asked to stump up some money towards this package? Well, if they are, it, it hasn't come out in the open. Yeah, it because they were never open. mentioned before. No. no. Yeah, no. Pat? Yeah, just, it says here, no, just going back on you there again, David, Clare County Council were requested by government to conduct a due diligence process into the proposed takeover of the, of the clear assets of Shannon Heritage in Prince Julian. So the government asked them to do a due diligence report on it. So they, they produced a 600 page report. Now, if they if, if, like, you just wonder where's all the, where's all the problems. They, they set up a, a departmental committee in, in, in Dublin in, on this. And it's made four times since last May. Mm. Now, it appears there's a lot of um, tone and form in departments where, the, where the money is going to I come I think up. that's probably it. It's a bit of a mm. turf war, and the civil servants can't agree on the proportions. I'd say they're probably agreed that something should be given, but they can't probably agree on the proportions. And Shannon Group, we know, it, it, you know is trying to divest it so that they don't spend any more money on it. Um, and they're being asked by the sounds of this now to contribute. The Department of Transport are probably wondering, these are heritage assets, what's mm. this got to do with the Department of Transport? Yeah, bo both <laughs> articles basically allude to, um, uh, we say, uh, Leonard Cleary, who is the Director of Rural Development at Clare County Council. Yeah. He was addressing a meeting of the Rural Development Strategic Policy Committee, the SPC, and he outlined, uh, as Pat alluded to there, the due diligence process. But just at the end of the article that we'll say that Porrick has on page six of the Echo, a strong note of caution was issued by Cleary that the council will not be able to proceed without financial support. And there's a quote. Clare County Council can only proceed with the proposed transfer should the necessary funding package be approved. To advance without the approval of the funding package would have a significant impact on services and commercial businesses in Clare. Now, I may be wrong, but I would look at that and consider that a shot fired. Oh, it's a big shot across the bows of the state, of the government. Yeah. And to be fair to the council, and we declare an interest, myself and John used to have an involvement in one of the, one of the bodies that trust, the Hunt Trust, that would own, that owns the, one of the sites, Craig and Owen. Um, 
There is no doubt that sites like Craig and Owen need a lot of investment because unfortunately Shannon Group has not been investing in the properties to bring them up to the standard that you would expect. Yeah. These are old properties and they need regular attendance. John, the consequence of this is if the council doesn't take it and the state doesn't come up with the package that they're looking for, these sites will go back to those owners. Mm -hmm. um, I understand that Bunratty Castle is actually also owned by a trust, not too dissimilar to the Hunt Trust, a body that has no money, yeah. that couldn't possibly employ anybody. Mm. Um, I suspect if the government doesn't do anything uh, and the money isn't received and the council refused to take it on, these sites will close. I have a, I have a, a, a kind of a gut feeling, David, that what also is at issue here is the capacity of, let's say, the urbanite civil servant who is not tuned in to the reality of the significance of these spots from the point of view of tourism. Yeah. yeah. As well as... Well, uh, would again, you, would you, would I, I, I would agree with you. I entirely agree. If, if I'm a civil servant in the Department of Transport, my only job is to think about the roads and rails and ports and all that. And I would be, you know, I, it just wouldn't be part of my professional psyche to be yeah. thinking about this, yeah. except that somebody should be telling well, me then that. I well, should I point to you, David, that uh, you actually should, because if it's in your department, mm. you have responsibility. Well, exactly, and Shannon Group, that's where that, that's why that department is involved. Well, you see, I think if, if, all, these, uh, if all these sites were, uh, were in Dublin, uh, uh, I think that's definitely all sorted long ago, or maybe if they were down in Michal Merton's uh, yeah. constituency down in Cork. If we had if we had a minister uh, in County Clare, yeah. mm. we don't maybe. have a minister. Maybe. It, it may be something to do with the ownership of it because you've not made a song of Ireland, John. Pat, as you said, the King John's Castle was passed over immediately because the council owned it. Um, the castle that the Shannon Heritage operated in Dublin, Malahide, was it Malahide? No, it's not Malahide, it's, um, it is Malahide. It is Malahide. Malahide. That yeah. was handed again back to the council because they own it. Yeah. And, and the GPO experience, mm. that was handed back to Unpost yeah. to manage it. It's because our, these sites here, I don't know who owns Nepog Castle. I don't know who owns that one. Um, who owns the land and the ground? I think Shannon Heritage probably owns those places, don't they, John? I can't say. And Bunratty Castle and, and, and they don't own Bunratty Castle, don't they? No. And they don't own Craigenall. Okay, well, sure. Listen, uh, I, I, we say the second part of uh, we'd say Owen Ryan's articles there on page two of the Echo. Uh, a lot of our elected um, TDs and. Uh, Senators and politicians have made comments. We'll say Clare TD Michael McNamara said it's working out a deal it should have been given a far greater priority. Um, he said, uh, who else are we now? Uh, uh, Violet Ann Wynne uh, asked uh, a question of the Taoiseach and uh, said, asked for, quote, a timeline and a deadline. However, in his response, the Taoiseach gave neither, but did say that Minister Darrell O'Brien is dealing with the matter. Cahill Crowe raised the matter at Wednesday's sitting of the Oireachtas Joint Committee on Transport and Communications. And uh, I see uh, who else there? Senator Timmy Dooley said the council must be supported if the transfer is to happen. Uh, he suggested a deadline of January 31st for a solution. And then following a question from Deputy Joe Carey, 
uh, Miss uh, Nocton said she was optimistic that the matter could be resolved by the end of 22. So I think yeah. I've given every TD you mentioned yeah. there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. just, in the interest of fairness, <laughs> and hopefully it, it will be resolved. Listen, we're, we're, we're going to move on, and we're going to move on to um, what I suppose we have alluded to in the last number of weeks, uh, some fabulous journalism, unfortunately, about a very delicate issue in relation to the Coast Guard in Doolan. And uh, Dan Danner has been writing exclusively in The Champion over the last number of weeks with some really excellent journalism, proper investigative journalism in relation to it. And uh, this week, uh, page four of The Champion called to have independent inquiry into Coast Guard management. Competency of the national leadership is questioned by Claire Oroctus members. Yeah, this and this of course is the result. Uh, the, 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 Claire's uh, Rochdus members are calling on Minister uh, of State Hildegard Nocton to conduct an independent review of the national management of the Irish Coast Guard organisation. And this has, is purely as a result of Dan Danaher's efforts. Yep. This would not have happened, these calls would not have probably been made without the focus that the champion has given this, and Dan in particular. Deputy Cottle Crow recalled the resignation reason cited by well-known rock climber and former Doolan Coast Guard volunteer Conor McGrath are in line with issues raised by other volunteers throughout the country. Um, and uh, it's regarding uh, the, as Cottle Crow has said, the systematic ineptitude when there is an accident or crisis. Volunteers are very competent, dedicated, and they have years of seafaring experience. It's about the loss of equipment or the, the, the equipment not being up to standard. We made, and a, refer not we made a reference to that, to that last week. We did. And yeah. we made a, a, a reference, I think, the week before. Yeah, yeah. when the story broke. Yeah. When the story broke. Okay. Now, I mean, what you're saying is a most serious, serious uh, question. And, um, so you'd be a supportive, John, of the of of an of an inquiry, absolutely. of an independent review. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think it's fairly plain to see this isn't something that happened yesterday. Mm. This has been ongoing, we'll say, for a number of years, and tragically, it seems to have emanated after the death of Katrina Lucas. That it seems to have yes. brought things. That was that the catalyst. See, that was the catalyst for yeah. it. And just in, in this week's article, we'll say that Dan has. Um, would say Violet Ann Wynne said she would support an independent review once it provided the right platform to initiate significant change in the way the organisation is run at national level. So yes. Yeah. At, at the issue, a lot of the, the if you read in between the lines with this, yes. there are national issues. And there are. Think, you know, and it was presented initially, you see. As it was a local. As it was a local, local. and that there was some sort of mm. feuding, and we yeah. were all speculating at the time as to yeah. what it might be. But um, there's obviously, as you say, Luke, some questions to be yeah. asked of national management. And we say Deputy McNamara recalled when he raised Doolan Coast Guard in the Dáil about 12 months ago, he was contacted by volunteers from all over the country who expressed serious concerns. Mm. So it's not, say, while Doolan appears to be, you know, the head of it, it appears as if it's not an isolated problem. And we say, he says, he questioned if the national management of the Coast Guard has extensive first-hand experience of, of how volunteers operate on the ground. The independent deputy expressed surprise it took Minister Nocton 11 months to meet the reconstituted team and was disappointed she didn't meet SAC members having previously urged her 
to meet all volunteers after the dual newt was stood down. Joe Carey uh, has said, there is no proper platform for volunteers throughout the country to raise legitimate concerns, have them actioned and dealt with. Well, that's quite an indictment, isn't and it? He, says, if he true. said, volunteers' grievances have been left unresolved while some volunteers have been dismissed in an unsatisfactory yeah. uh, manner. Yeah. And he is calling for a comprehensive independent yeah. review. And uh, Senator Martin Conway has a, a new one to me now. He has called for a fundamental review of the operations, provided it's independent, and includes a stipulation national management must cooperate as some personnel, as I presume, as same personnel at national level. He says, I don't have confidence in the management of the Coast Guard. Mm. I would welcome any review that would address the concerns of hundreds of volunteers throughout the country. And he proposed that the Coast Guard should be brought under the umbrella of local authorities with the same terms and conditions as the retained fire and rescue well, That's service. an interesting <laughs> proposal, yeah, actually. That, 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 yeah, that, that yeah. should happen. That is an interesting proposal. Mm. Um, of course, the fire brigade and the fire services is, is semi-voluntary as well, isn't well, it? Well, different. You've, you'd have retained. You've uh, retained, no, no, yeah. no, the, you've the, retained the and you have volunteers. Is not voluntary. Yeah, no, yeah, fire isn't, no, they're, they're not all full-time. Not all yeah. full-time. They're not all full-time, yeah, but part-time. But, but they do get trained and, you know, yeah, get yeah. proper training, yeah. proper training. Um, yeah. and they get but, but interesting about this article, we don't hear the response from the government or the minister. The, we have all the calls for the inquiry, but, and presumably this was a debate in the Dáil, I presume. Very, various, it has been raised at various times, but what would that indicate to you, Dave? treading water at least or that they're resisting it correct um, but it would be useful to know what the minister might have said in response because we don't know and maybe maybe we'd like um, you know um, so she's mentioned a lot cabinet now it says here if minister Nocton remains in a position after a cabinet reshuffle and the re cabinet reshuffle is in a couple of weeks two weeks time I think so it would Maybe she herself has decided, I'm not going to put my head over the parapet on this one just yet. Yeah, but uh, yeah. you sort of said she has, she's been the minister for more than three weeks. Like, yeah. But is, is there any, is, I'm wondering, is there any of our local politicians really listening? I, I, John, I don't think there's an issue with the local politicians. I think they, they are the they're ones doing raising, their best. They're doing their best and raising it. Now, I would imagine, uh, there, uh, you know, certain work has gone on in the background. But, John, as I'm sure you know yourself, dealing with sort of, uh, you know, government agencies or national agencies, sometimes you can be banging your head off, uh, you yeah. know, it's like banging and your head off a stone wall. But until it sort of gets a bit of publicity... Yeah, which and that's what we're doing. No, no, yeah. but, but we said, yeah. it, you know, we said with Dan's stories over the last number of weeks, yeah. I think that it has raised uh, the, the awareness. Yeah. And you'd hope that some bit of action will take place. It sounds as if, though, as well, that maybe the national management is resisting. Correct. And if, if, if you were the national management, you were being criticised and all of this was coming, of course you would resist... Because but I, I don't, I don't so. agree with you at all. That's, Go on. I believe in the possibilities when the, when the public come out and consistently ask their elected representatives, pursue this as a number one in the Dáil, and let's hear, it, hear the echo of it down in County Clare. You miss, you miss, beyond what they're already doing? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. But of course there's so <laughs> many. Like you could, which one do you prioritise? If John, if you're the local politician, do you prioritise Pyrite? Do you prioritise Shannon Heritage? Mm -hmm. Do you prioritise Doolin? Mm -hmm. Do you prioritise Shannon Airport? You choose. Which one would you prioritise? Well, I'd say that has been raised in the Dalton. 
It has been raised. Well, yeah. what John is saying is it needs to be raised constantly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is evidence that it has been raised, and they've all mm-hmm. had a good go at it. Yes. But you know, it's a, it's if I, to be fair to the politicians, I think they are doing their job in this instance. Um, and if there is again, I would agree with you, John. If people out there feel strongly about it, pyrite is a very nice example yeah. where actually led to it comes up very regularly in yeah. the media as as does shannon airport yes okay uh we'll talk about pyrite a little bit in a minute but now there's a topic that uh, uh i'm going to allude to page one on the echo terror yeah. on the street tensions rise over ennis turf war and also uh the main headline uh, by owen ryan and the champion Clear TD calls for legalisation of drugs. Take drug trade out of criminal hands, says McNamara, while Wynn urges decriminalisation. Page one and page two uh, of the Echo, uh, that uh, call will say in relation, or sorry, of the champion in relation to uh, Deputy McNamara, and page one and page 12 on the Echo in relation to the turf war. The team? Well, there may be a, 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 a constant theme between the two of them. So, Pat yeah. David, uh, well, well, to any, if any, at any time you see the word terror on the front page of a paper, it's going to, it's going to attract attention. Um, this is this is about a, a feud um, between certain groups in Clare in Ennis, but it's obviously escalating, and it's escalating probably out of control. Firearm discharged on street. These are the subtitles. Firearm discharged on street, and it's probably more than once. Three caravans destroyed. A grave firebombed. Innocent mm. people at risk. Now, they're very serious um, issues. Uh, what are uh, you seeing in that? Well, I think this is, a, this is probably an ongoing feud uh, yeah. between certain families. In certain groups, maybe certain groups, rather than family, I know that interchangeable sometimes. But um, guard efforts have been ramped up, according to Porig McMahon, to gain control of an Ennis feud, which has been labelled a turf war. In the past week, multiple connected events have occurred, all of which are linked to a family feud where violence has escalated. Um, we've already mentioned what, what, they, what these incidents are, but there's quite a lot of detail in it. And again, the TDs are, um, and, and, the, and the Gardaí have made statements about this and the visibility and what needs to be done. But um, unfortunately, we live in a, in a society where this is, this is semi-regular, isn't it? If I give you a scenario, you're living in an estate. Mm and a rock comes flying through uh, the window from the roadway. Yes. Okay. And you hear it and you see it and you, you get a sense of what happens in the follow-up. Yeah. Okay. It's not a football game they're playing, that's for sure. Yeah. What kind of power have we in our, in our system to do anything about that? What... what well, w- as individuals or yes. as a society? Well, you can consider... You know, as an individual, mm-hmm. the first thing you do is pick up the phone and call the guards and say your house has been attacked. Yeah. Um, or that you've been attacked and hope that they would be able to do something. 
I mean, that is the way our system works. So you can't, like our conversation yesterday, or last week was about taking the law, not, no, I shouldn't say that, but having firearms in our own houses or farmers having yeah. firearms. Yeah. Um, in this case, the war, they're attacking each other. It's a family feud and they're attacking each other. But the danger is it spills out. Yeah, it spills out of control. It's real danger. Yeah. Like, I don't know, John. I mean, what can, what can, the, what can the guards do? There what is can a weakness. Society? I mean, there is a, the county council. I go back to the, the, the county council. Uh, are the owners of the properties I'm talking about. Do you know? Not but necessarily, the, not well, necessarily in three this you, Do they own the three caravans that no. were fired, bombed? No, no. What, or do they own the grave that was fire bombed? But I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about the, the part of it that the council do own. What yeah. power have they to deal with in, in, in negative social interaction? I don't think they can because you can't. You have you to go through the criminal process first of actually conviction and so on. So yeah. the council are powerless, I think. Yeah, that's just before we go to the front here on the John Champion, um, um, it appears there that these people are from outside the, the outside of Clare uh, because there was. Um, uh, English registration scene and, and two big early chaos around uh, the place. And, and Listen, Pat, I might have a car reg. I do actually have a car reg, which is Dublin plate. Um, so you can buy a car anywhere. My wife has a, has a county car look, reg car. Yeah, yeah, so that proves yeah. nothing like well, it. Well, these are English registration chaos yeah. on to the, 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 the paper here. I'm sure it appeals to a feud over drugs and around, around here. So. Well, that might connect it, does it, to one Clare TD has called for yeah. the legalisation of drugs, Pat? It's here in the front of the champion, yeah. Clear TD calls for legislation of drugs. Take uh, take drug trade out of criminals' hands. Does McNamara while win or just just decriminalisation? Uh, would you be in favour? This or, is about marijuana now. Let's be clear. It's not all drugs. Um, and Deputy McNamara, inspired by a book uh, r that was produced by a former UCC lecturer of his, yeah. he, uh, and the argument is ultimately that. There's no harm in the decriminalisation of marijuana. Would you be supportive, or would you think it would be a problem? I, I don't know, David. I, I, I don't know enough about it to tell the truth. Yeah. Um, look, what, um, I suppose if if people go on those um, with say marijuana, then they'll maybe move on to health or drugs and all that. But Michael McNamara says that they have lost control of it here. That is, in, in, that you have. Um, of drugs in every small village yeah. and town in Ireland. Yeah, he's right. There's no doubt about that. He, he goes on to say, inner city communities were ravaged by drugs. However, the problem of drug abuse was pretty much contained in inner cities. Uh, the Henry scene, the party scene, was going in Cork and middle class students were taking drugs, but they were not being stigmatised in the way that people in poorer communities were, but drugs were beginning to move out into the broader community. Since then, I have seen many success successes in the war of drugs, the Colopies and the McCarthy Dundons were just learning their trade on the streets of Limerick at that time. So I think his point is that um, it is a sort of a gateway and that if you legalise that you, you would... I don't know, do I buy that argument though? Because I think, unfortunately, and I, again like you Pat, I don't know enough about it, um, people nowadays are probably thinking marijuana isn't much of anything at all and that they're on much more serious drugs as, as kind of beginner drugs, cocaine and the like. Um, and that leads on to even worse. Um, so, like, Why did the Americans actually, in so many states, 
legalize or decriminalize uh, possession of because I think they have they they would have accepted the arguments that it is not as dangerous if it's used um, moderately and certainly medicinally and all of that that it may not be as dangerous and well, the science we've had, had uh, ex examples on the media over the last year of mothers uh, speaking out about the the fact that their daughter, who is MS or whatever other disease yeah, yeah. that is uh, helped by um, marijuana, medicinal marijuana, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think if if anything will happen in this state, it's probably marijuana is would maybe legalize for medicinal purposes in the first instance. Yeah. And it, like again, we should take our examples from the places that work that have seen this done, and has it caused much damage? Now. I don't know, I haven't read the information. Yeah. I suspect some people, John, would be worried um, about the legalization of, of, of marijuana and what it might lead to. Um, but, you know, we have rules and regulations around alcohol and cigarettes. They're dangerous as well if they're not, uh, if, they, if they are consumed. There's so. a difference, David. They're both legal. Uh, that's what I mean. Yeah. They are legal and we have regulations around it. In America, marijuana is legal and there are regulations yeah. around it. For, 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 <laughs> for personal use, John, there, there are certainly questions, I think, that uh, if, you, if you look at the states and uh, you know, a little bit like, I, I think it's happening the same over in the UK as well, um, would say the likes of marijuana for personal use I think uh, being prosecuted for it, I think, uh, is certainly something that has been looked at. Yeah. Saying that you know, it be is it is it the equivalent now of being done for drinking a pint in the pub? Mm -hmm. that, that's the comparison you're you're potentially talking about. Yeah. You know, I'd I'd like to see the science around it. I'd like to see. Just as we know about cigarettes now and the dangers that they can, people should be should should make an informed decision once they see the science. Right. Yeah. Well, we're near the end of part one, and uh, I'm behind time already. So, but there's one topic that I wanted to uh, finish up. Uh, page six of the Champion, and we have spoken about it before. Uh, pet crematorium opens after planning battle. And a picture of Danny and Amy Keller, who have recently opened Peaceful Paws, the first pet crematorium in County Clare, and it will be the only—it is the only one between Clare, Limerick, and Galway. Pat. Yeah, I suppose this, uh, I suppose this one thing really—you you can't go burying animals anymore now in out in the open Can you not? Can you not? Can you not bury yeah. a, a dog? I don't in, think so. In your no. Farm. no, no, you can't no. buy and? very an, very anim, any animal uh, yeah, on a farm no. these days. Whatever yeah. about your own, you're probably not allowed to do it anywhere. But uh, now that's for water safety and all, and all of that. Yeah. Although yeah. I saw a guy, a, a guy got a, a permission to bury himself in his farm, <laughs> and then the farm went to after he had no relations, and uh, it went uh, to somebody else. It went to the state. You did a deal with the state. Oh, oh yeah. very good. Well, but John, you'd be in favour. Would you be in favour of a pet crematorium? Pet crematorium. I never thought about it until I actually saw yeah. it on the paper. A good business yeah. opportunity there, now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the number of pets that people have. Like, uh, there, there are pets everywhere, and what do you do with them <coughs> um, if you can't uh, officially bury them anyway? But uh, we, we, we. I remember covering this story when we saw the planning commission. 
and uh, I think it's I think it's good. It, it's probably the only one we have in the county. Yeah, it, it's covering a few counties. Now, I, yeah, I, I, just, I really make clear. Yeah, yeah, I see, Pat. Now you know, John, we talk about common sense and how it's mm. not that common. Stan Danher has the article a peaceful pause which has been supported by local vets that's all I need to hear yes if what do you mean Luke if it's been supported by local vets who if you have a problem with your pet do you bring it to you bring it to the you vet. bring it to the vet yeah. and if the veterinary people as a grouping individuals or, or an organization yeah. are in favor of it I think it is a sensible... Oh, right, a sensible... Yeah. You're sensible. not suggesting that vets might be encouraging people to put down their animals no, in order to avail of this That's service. a question for Tom no, Hadley. No, absolutely not. But, but you, you, yeah. you know, you, you look at, um, I would say, people's attachment to pets and has probably significantly increased. And I think yeah. you, you look at more recent years, you know, you, you, we all might have had a, a motor or a mongrel years ago. They're all pedigree dogs and, oh, and cats. And now, very you know, valuable and expensive you know, items. And, 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 I, I know a girl recently that uh, her dog died and she went, she- Your dog died? No, not my dog. No, um, a girl, uh, she was a niece of my, my wife's and her dog died and she, he was, he was cremated and it cost 90 euros. Well, that's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen. Uh, I suppose you have something to something to remember them by, right? Listen, yeah. we need to finish up. <laughs> You'll get a cow back from uh, yeah. It's in your little nose cat. We, <laughs> we might have a collection of ashes on the mantelpiece, but uh, half uh, time music. What are we going to have? <coughs> I was rushing to get my music done, Luke. Uh, anyway, yeah. uh, with Andy yeah. Williams, I can't take my eyes off of you. Oh. <laughs> that's about a dog. <laughs> Right, we'll be back in a few minutes. <laughs> oh, pretty baby, don't bring me down, I pray. Oh, pretty baby, now that I've found to stay. Oh, pretty baby, trust in me when I say. Right, Andy Williams there, I can't take my eyes off you and we can't take our eyes off the paper. And uh, before we start on uh, page or part two of the show, there's a few topics that, of course, the boys were talking too much about during part one that we didn't get to. Uh, just Green Clare, page 22. Council launches online information resource for inv invasive alien species. Well, these are not aliens from um, another planet, but uh, it, they are as dangerous. <laughs> this, is the, this is Japanese knotweed, and there's a picture of what Japanese knotweed looks like there on page 22, the clear echo, it's the green clear uh, section. And a new online information resource for invasive alien species has been launched to assist people in clear. The purpose of this webpage, the webpage is, um, uh, yoursay.clarecoco.ie backslash invasive species clear. Google it. Uh, it's a terrible name for a website, by the way, but anyway. Uh, the purpose of this webpage is to help people easily identify, yeah. record, report, and prevent the introduction and control of the spread of Japanese knotweed. Japanese knotweed can grow up through your house. Through concrete. It, it can go through concrete. Yeah. It can go through tarmacadam. It will devalue your property if you have it on it. Yeah. It's very hard to get rid of, and people need um, proper Prof advice. So if, mm. if, if, and the problem is people don't know what it looks like or what it is. 
So go onto that website or buy the Clear Echo, page 22, to get a picture of what it looks like. Yeah. No, no, David, you don't have to buy it. You can pick it up for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and you get, oh, out your, get out your reasonably smartphone onto page 22 in the camera app, yeah. and you can scan you can scan the QR code, and that will bring you to the website. So, and so Luke, do you know, there is a lovely illustration of what an, an alien species looks like if you ever visit Achill Island. It was brought in in the late 19th century by um, a travelling, we'll call him a travelling landlord, okay, in the Far East. Brought back one specimen of, of the gonorrhea. The gonorrhea. The gonorrhea. Yeah. Mm. And it literally took over. over. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. I've watched over the years, Mayo County Council's uh, professional, you know, behaviour. get rid of it. Very, very good. And they have certainly removed it from yeah. perhaps half the island. Well, the same with rhododendron, giant yeah. hogweed. Yeah. We should be vigilant, yeah. Okay, right, listen, we're... There we're, you are. Very good, John. Uh, so, so when you're going visiting again, you uh, just and, 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 and flood prediction works in Springfield, 95% complete, so yeah, we'll, a lot of flooding in Springfield. In exactly. And there, we'll wait for it to be 100% complete. Nearly <laughs> uh, <laughs> out. Now, listen, we're, we're going to go on to, uh, we, we've been accused of uh, talking about and blowing hot wind, hot and cold wind here yeah. on numerous occasions. And I'm going to start with what I actually cause, uh, I call a little bit of optimism. And I'm not usually an optimist. That's in not something you're associated with. This. Page 14 and page 15 of the Clare Echo. Green Atlantic can generate 3 billion euros and thousands of jobs. And uh, then uh, a bugbear of yours, John. ESB hope to announce Equinor replacement within the next month. I, I, I can't give this as much time as I want to, but there's a few bits in it. Uh, Park McMahon uh, has been talking to. Uh, a former Money Point station manager and director of wind energy projects with DSB in Shannon End, Estuary Task Force member Sean Hegarty. Okay, it's an article that I would recommend everybody to read. Uh, and he was talking uh, at this SPC, the Economic Development Strategic Policy Committee of Clare County Council. And he gave a presentation which was titled Shannon Estuary and Offshore Wind Superpower. Okay, and it, there's very good, uh, it's a very good article, and he's basically saying that uh, the value for the Irish economy is estimated to be 3 billion euros from this project portfolio in relation to Green Atlantic, uh, 1.7 billion of which is expected to be created within West Clare. It's uh, page 14 and 15 in the Echo, uh, John. And We'll say he basically talks about the vision that was showed with the Shannon scheme and the construction of Arden Crusher, and he refers to this. We talk of this as the Shannon scheme 2.0. Yeah. That's yeah. basically what he's talking about. Yeah, it's very exciting. Um, we we sure we talk about it all the time. The potential. Yeah. We just now would like to see some action. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And, and this is and a task force, and we don't like task forces. <laughs> Well, we like them, but we'd like to see the implementation of what they recommend. Our sea territory is 10 times our land mass. Yeah. And we're one of the biggest countries in, yeah. in Europe with our yeah. sea territory included. And this might relate, Pat, because yeah. we, would we would prefer to see them, I think, out in the Atlantic rather than maybe 
uh, up uh, in scenic areas, well, these now, wind farms. Funny, David, you should mention that because this is where we start uh, uh, coming back to our own neck of the woods. And page four in The Champion, Fiona McGarry has an article. Consultation begins for a second Quilche wind farm in east of the county. And when we hear the east of the county, the the ears uh, perk up. are perk up and it says uh, Quinche is planning a second East Clare wind farm project as part of a joint venture to develop a renewable energy generation facility between Broadford and Six Mile Bridge. Yeah, oh. and the area being studied, and this and Pat's ears is doubly pricked up, <laughs> the area is being studied currently runs from Glenwood to the west as far as Kyle Gas to the east, crossing some of Nokna, uh, how do you pronounce that, Pat? Noknahura in the yeah. twelve o'clock hills. So it's in your back. It's in your backyard. These yes. uh, this wind farm. So this has been uh, yeah, this venture by Queenshire, Pat, is the Nokshenvo wind farm, yeah. whose precise yeah. specifications have not yet been outlined. And of course, Queenshire were uh, the company that will say were granted uh, planning permission by Borb Tanala for a 19 turbine Carinagown wind farm which is on the slopes of Sleeve Barna which affects a lot of uh, East Clare as well that, that was granted in, in recent months. So now Pat tell us about this one. Well, it's, it's going to be all below Kilkishan and along under, under the mills there and running along the hills into Broadford, let's say, and up, up over the Trade O'Clock Hills. Um, they're just starting, I'd say, it's just come on board. Um, they haven't done that done yet. By the end of 23, they'll have the, a website for the project estimated the application will be submitted as strategic infrastructure at the end of next year, according to the company. The proposed site is located around three kilometres south of Broadford and four kilometres northeast of Six Mile Bridge. And it runs along the 12 o'clock hills. And they have community liaison officers at Christie O'D can be contacted on 087-395-8867 or Kevin Dandan on 087-4315-976. And there's a wind farm there as well. Uh, and there's an email there yeah, as well. Nakshenavowindfarm.ie, yeah. I think yeah. would be how it is. It's on page four of... Uh, the, the champion. Yeah. Pat, do yeah, you think this will be welcomed by the local community or not? Or I don't know. I suppose they, 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 they probably want to see the details, but I, I'd say that the Fred Wittlock Hills, maybe the development committee might, mightn't be too happy about it, but um, I suppose you would have to see the details first. Details in the, you know, the, 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 the details. The devil is in the details, Pat. I, and I, I, um, uh, I was up to Fred Wittlock Hills on Monday morning early. And quilts are above and they've acres upon acres of, of, of timber taken out and piled up in stacks. Yeah. And they're making their improving the roads there and they're, yeah. and they're hauling it out. Okay, right. Well, listen, uh, as man says, it won't be granted today, tomorrow, or yes, or yesterday. So or even next so, year. So we, we, we'll be talking, <laughs> we'll be we'll talking be, about we'll it again for, for a long time. Okay. John, would you be in favour of it or what's your, what's your position? You've t 10 seconds, John. Uh, <laughs> well, I'd, I'd do a typical... Uh, kick for, kick for touch. Touch. the proverbial touch. Yes. I want to hear all of the arguments. The, exter the, the ones outside of Clare are easier to de de talk about. Well, that. Offshore, offshore wind, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. But yeah. of course, unfortunately, Quilcher don't own any of the Atlantic Ocean. No, that's not. Right. And Quilcher is trying to diver yeah. diversify, isn't that it? Exactly. Yeah. Now, uh, talking about diversifying, we're going back in time. Dan Danner has an exclusive on page one of the Clare Champion. Michael Collins missing money case unearthed in Clare. John, do you want to tell me about this? Well, now, 
it's an extraordinary photograph that is on page two, and then accompanying article on page one as well. There's um, uh, yeah, it starts on page one. Starts on page. Michael Collins, missing money shot. case unearthed in Clare. How about that now? Where is the money still in there? Then then that has the exclusive. Yeah. And, and so, the proposed. Where are we now? Ah, there we are. Dan, you're writing a fascinating historical collection, including what is believed to be Michael Collins's missing money bags case. It's been unveiled for the first time. An individual in East Clare that Dan is writing about has in his possession, David, an extraordinary collection of memorabilia associated with the War of Independence, Civil War, and indeed uh, back as far as the Fenian in the mid-19th century. And the photograph of, the artif of some of the artefacts is on page two. Now, how did a money bag, which is staring me in the face, how did that get into the possession of an East Clare family? And quite clearly, the family in question was intimately involved. Yeah. I think they were involved were they with the Brennans and the Brennans right. were Brennan officers commanding here in East Clare. And I think one of the Brennans robbed the post office. I'm getting all this information now from the champion. Yes. Yeah, the East Clare Brigade. Yeah. Rob, yeah. Yeah. The uh, East Clare Brigade went down to Limerick, robbed the post office. Yeah, from to buy guns. And, and to buy guns. Because Collins wouldn't give them guns. Yeah, quite yeah. right. Who, who would, you wouldn't want to be arming the East Clare people anyway. Yeah. Uh, and Collins was a cute corkman, of course. Um, so show me the money, he said, Collins. Yeah. And so the money was brought up to him. And I suppose they, there's two shotguns there and, uh, as part of that picture Actually, as well. I was, in, I was in this man's house and I, 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 had, all those, I had all those things in my hand. Yeah. yeah. Have, was, there any, was there any money in the bag? Uh, no, there was no money in the bag. I'll tell you, I, we, will, we will hopefully have uh, the owner of, or the person who's, in ch who's left in charge of these amazingly uh, important historical uh, artifacts, we'll have that gentleman or lady on radio. In, in the new year. In the new That's year. That's your new year's resolution. Absolutely, Perfect. absolutely. Right. But in the meantime, read the article by Dan Danaher, page one and two of the champion, champion. Mm. Uh, Civil War memorabilia unearthed in East Clare. There you are. Okay. A lovely photograph there from by John Kelly. Yeah. That's um, not me now. John Kelly and the champion. Um, yeah. I saw one, those, uh, those shotguns and yeah. notches in them. I, 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 I had them in my hand and see the notches and the handles and the, and the socks and the, the bag. Did and you the weep, Pat? Um, Did you weep? I didn't try, no. no, no, no. <laughs> right. Well, well I, uh, from, from a historical story, John, we're going to move on. Uh, we say from one that you're going to look after in the new year to now uh, the Grinch has stolen Christmas. Page six in the Clare Champion. There's a complaint about the positioning of Christmas lights on a pole, which has led to their removal by the ESB. So do you want to tell us about that? Me, is it? Well, I think it's very sad that uh, people in Tulla went to the trouble of organising a lovely lighting presentation. Yeah? And voluntary, voluntary input and volunteer uh, supply of uh, electricity as well. And now it's no longer so. Isn't that the, the main 
trust of the RT. Yeah, it's a, it says uh, Tim Humphreys of Tuller Tidy Towns confirmed the group had been forced to find an alternative arrangement and that Main Street is without its traditional festive illuminations yeah. in the meantime. And he says, quote, recently a band of 12 plus volunteers, including qualified electricians, spent two and a half days hanging the lights in Tuller as we have done for years previously. The ESB notified us of a complaint lodged with photographs of the installation that the lights were being removed the next day by them. Luke, but it's not clear, is it, from the article, um, what, what exactly was the problem? Well, the one problem that definitely wasn't, uh, Mr Humphreys confirmed to the champion that there was no question of the lights drawing any electricity from the poles. Right. So it was, it was just the fact that it was on an ESB pole, mm. the lights were. Yeah. Yeah. Now, of course, the Scarif lights went on See, on Thursday, Thursday night and, and, and Tomb Rainey on Saturday. on Saturday. And I'm sure everywhere else around these Exactly, it's that, it's that weekend. And you notice that they've all their own poles. So, you know, it's, the ESB says here we're very apologetic. I suppose it's a matter of, unfortunately, health and safety and mm. being sued and yeah. all the rest. It's but not a, their poll, so... But a, a potentially good bit of news at the end of the article says alternative options are now being explored, which will require the cooperation of homes and businesses on Main Street with the goodwill of locals along Main Street, we have undertaken at additional expense and time to have bespoke brackets made and installed that will carry the festive lights for years to come, hopefully. So that might be a good, end a good end. Exactly. Yeah. So. Mm. Right, now... Well, I think uh, there's an objection. There's an objection from somebody that... Is that right? That, that's why they had to... Yeah. 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 Right, we're going to move on, we'll say now, to uh, we'll say our own pages, shall we say, business, which is page 13 <laughs> in... Uh, the, the champion. Uh, oh yeah. And uh, we're going to we'll say it's page nineteen now. We'll say is the new page. We'll say in the echo. And uh, I will we'll look at the echo first. And it says, uh, Derrick View works to be completed soon, which is a remedial works or target to be completed by the end of this year for houses at Derrick View Scarif. To which I will correct Porrick McMahon and say it's Derrick View Scarif. Derrick View is technically in Tungrani. And, um, uh, and but there's a lovely picture of Scarif. Well, there's a well, yeah, but with Tungrani in half the background of it. There, uh, <laughs> you, you know, so uh, so we'll say Councillor Bourke has a, and Councillor Cooney have, have uh, written both both on it. There, uh, Councillor O'Callaghan as well uh, believes. Uh, uh, there is work being taken in relation to a state being taken in charge and also uh, the great uh, uh, councillor Hayes will be happy to hear that the section of the R461 between Kilneen and Drummondura will be considered for restoration improvement works as part of the 2023 schedule of municipal district works mm. that, that, as I said uh, that's a uh, councillor looking after uh, Luke could I stick in uh, something there that troubles me uh, and any time I'm troubled, I, I have to get rid of it yes. by <laughs> dealing with it. Aldi have been granted uh, planning permission for a second uh, retail outlet in Ennis. That's right. It's oh, Aldi they have, yeah, yeah. It's here yeah. on the paper, in front of us. On the Kilgush Road, yeah. Yeah. And one of the arguments that has been made in its favour is that uh, it offers, it'll offer X number of jobs yeah. Mm. Both in the building stage and in the post-building stage. And I'm saying, what about the jobs that may be lost in the mm. rural villages of in East Clare yeah, yeah. and mm. uh, 
around mid-player. The jobs that our students, you know, avail of because the local shop is doing well. My point is, for God's sake, when you continue to support the, your own local services, and in this case particularly the retail service, yeah, because yeah. where there are yeah. jobs gained in the larger town, mm. to it, Ennis, there are jobs maybe lost in other places. On the yeah. local well, is, is that not a whole question about the whole urban rural divide? It is, of course, uh, Luke. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, listen, uh, we. Uh, get to one or two little issues uh, on our own neck of the woods there. There's a nice picture, uh, of course, by uh, not the John sitting beside us, but uh, John Kelly of the champion uh, of uh, participants of the inaugural Killaloo Festival of Lights Parade in 2019, of course, which got postponed for 2020 and 21 due to COVID. I never knew they had a bit of a parade. Yeah, there was, yeah. 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 And uh, Luke, I just noticed in the same page, social homes started ex start expected shortly. This is the works that are to be expected, social housing development in Scariff before the end of 2022. These are the, I think, near is is that the site near the Mart? Yes, not, not, far, not, not, not far away from Not far here. from here. So that's mm. good news. Yeah, it is. And uh, then you have decision date in March over appeal for Tulla Homes, which we spoke about previously, Pat. This is a... a yeah. Where's that? Uh, it's uh, on page 13 there, uh, John. Page 13, yeah. yeah. yeah I think um, they've lodged an appeal there. Uh, they're down at the back of the, well, the, the secondary school um, was looped, that site, and the houses there have been completed. You now I, I see lights now and all night, there's people yeah. living in them. So I, I suppose uh, this, this site, I was down to tell a, tell a resident, and he told me that um, there were these uh, houses, 36, were going in the back of those houses. Yeah. Yeah. This is where there was the issue with, the, is this where you had the issue with the, the footpath, footpath on the main into, street? Into yeah. the main street, yeah. 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 Okay, I, I see uh, in the bottom left-hand corner, page 13 there, uh, senior planner Brian McCarthy was welcomed as the new coordinator of the Killaloo Municipal District when members met recently in Scariff. Uh, and uh, basically I think he's the man that all, all the local uh, councillors will be depending on. Mm. Uh, you know, so ho hopefully... Uh, uh, he'll be here for a while and that uh, he's uh, well, well up to uh, carrying yeah. out his jobs. I see Councillor Pat Burke is... Um, he's alive, isn't he, and well? well <laughs> <laughs> Indeed he is. And he's looking well. He's, he's, he's pictured there. Is he, on to yeah. a, is he on to an important point there about the limit on rural... Uh, the uh, Speed, speed limit. limits on well, rural, on rural roads. roads. Well, well, well now, is, yeah. John, he is, but he has to realise that the council are the main body responsible for I setting these limits. I going to ask you that now. Yeah. Who, who does? How well, does it, it work? It, it, it's the council or the people that would say, for, you know, it's in conjunction with a few other organisations as well. But if the council want to reduce the speed limit, they, they will get the speed limit reduced. And I will give you an example of how it was done at two mile gate, because you now see 50 kilometre signs yeah. yes. on the stretch of the road at two mile gate. Yeah. So don't tell me it can't be done. Yeah. So I said I, I would. But what is what is he saying, Councillor Burke? <laughs> is he saying that eighty kilometres, uh, that the signs should not be there, saying that these are eighty kilometre roads, or what? Well, the, the, that they there's, should be there's issues in relation to going down Boreens. Yes. You, you know, yeah. and and. The but there are there are there are roads absolutely, absolutely. Which is crazy, but where you're waiting. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's ridiculous, like. On a boreen. On a boreen. Little more than that. Yeah. But why would you even need a sign? Is this his point? What, or am I just making this up? 
do you need a little boreen? Do you need a sign, uh, a speed limit sign at all? Well, I don't think they're there, but the, but the, the, the question could be: Do you need a, a, a sign with an actual limit on? Yeah, it? Mm. because it's almost a target then. Yeah, to go to it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Right, listen, we're nearly done. We'll uh, come back to it. I see EV chargers freeze clear on agenda. You must be delighted, Luke. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remain sceptical. <laughs> but uh, the senior executive engineer told the local meeting that uh, applications have been made to DSB for two chargers in the village of Killaloo. So I will How come Killaloo is benefiting? Why Killaloo? <laughs> <laughs> Talk to your local council. <laughs> I said, right. Or the cohere look of the council. Uh, exactly. Right, listen, that, that's all we have time Luke, for. Could I ask you one sentence now? That's all it is. How do we actually, because I was asked to raise it, how do we actually um, uh, introduce some kind of a system to slow traffic coming up and passing Scarif National School? Uh, I would give you the example, David. Do you go the back road from O'Brien's Bridge? Sometimes. Right. Uh, for anybody that has been on that, that road in the last week or so, uh, works were put in that basically at the junction will say, you the main road will say from uh, Montpellier heading will say for Daly's Cross, and there is a junction that brings you down to Castle Connell. That's right. There is now a bump on that road that, by, I tell you, will slow you down fairly yeah. quick. Ramps and bumps will always ramps slow you down. Yeah. So we support ramps and bumps. Well, right. there could be other options too, but uh, yeah. if you're talking about the schools, uh, uh, road narrowing, yeah. you know, putting concrete yes, bollards yes, yes. in the middle of the road sort of sometimes does it as well. We're over time. Oh dear. As always. <laughs> Pat. We'll go for the flower of Scotland, uh, Lou. Oh, I thought oh. we were going to have a Christine McBee we'll, we'll song <laughs> in relation for Fleetwood Mac. So, but, but, uh, right, so flower yeah. of Scotland, what's the occasion? The Monastown Opheus Choir. Oh, we're getting ready for Christmas. <laughs> Hum humbug. <laughs> right, that, that's it for us this week. Uh, as I said, the programme is sponsored by Ruth Griffin Photography, and as I said, uh, the Scarif Bay Community Radio calendar is on sale with photographs from Ruth, uh, Ruth all around uh, East Clare, and it'll be in various shops or talk to a volunteer. Great value for a fiver for the stocking. So that's it all from us. Take care, and we'll finish with the Flower of Scotland. Oh, Flower of Scotland. Again, that fought and died for, yet we betell and glen and stood against him. Proud Edward's army and sent him home.